The agreements themselves are wisdom that we all are born and bred with. This isn't going to be something you've never heard before, but the way that it's written, the way that it's unpacked in everyday life is timeless. And I think that there's something to be said about timeless information that can be adapted to any generation and any given time. Welcome back. Today I'm drinking a chai and it is piping hot, so I'm currently not drinking it yet, but I will be. And I want to do a new content concept series on the Coffee Talk podcast where once in a blue moon, I'm thinking actually once a month would be the most ideal. I've done, I think I called them book brews, which is literally perfect. Today I want to do another book brew where I just want to re-solidify what a book brew is over here on the podcast. And what it is, is literally brewing up a conversation around a book. And I don't know how I haven't done this before, the four agreements. In fact, I actually wanna do the fifth agreement, which I just finished this summer. So I wanna host a book brew conversation about the five agreements and start with the four agreements. And now that I say that, I, I feel like I may have sprinkled in conversations about the four agreements here and there, either in vlogs or in conversations, but this book is so good. I've read it at least five times now. And the first time I read it was back in 2015. And I remember reading specifically the introduction to the book and thinking like, what? I'm so confused. It's all about the Toltec path. There was a man who was sleeping in a cave and he had a dream where he wakes up and goes to the edge of the cave and realizes he is the dream or he is the light. See, even now I feel like I'm butchering it, but I remember the first time reading it and being so confused. And the second time reading it being like, I kind of get it. And then by the third and fourth time I read it, I was like, oh, I'm starting to understand the concept that we are basically dreaming a reality. Everything that we interpret is light. And like without light, we wouldn't be able to see, we wouldn't be able to, you know, we wouldn't be able to exist without energy. We wouldn't be able to exist. And so, all of it is being filtered through our brains, which is creating a dream. I reread this back in, it may have been March or April because then I read the fifth agreements or the fifth agreement in May or June. It was right around the nanny thing. So since then, since rereading it, I've come back to this at least once a day. And specifically on the days where I find myself really either just struggling or having a bad day or what have you, feeling tested in some way, I always come back to the four agreements. And here's the reason why. I'm gonna start with just an overall concept of why I think that The Four Agreements is such an amazing book, at least to me. This book spoke directly to my soul solely for the fact that one, it's easy to remember. There's only four agreements. So no matter what, even if you only read it once, you can pretty much take away the four agreements and use it in everyday life in one way or another. That is the main reason why I love it. But then two, the agreements themselves are wisdom that we all are born and bred with. The four agreements are not gonna be groundbreaking in the sense of this isn't gonna be something you've never heard before, but the way that it's written, the way that it's explained in the Toltec culture, but also the way that it's unpacked in everyday life is timeless. And I think that there's something to be said about timeless information that can be adapted to any generation and any given time uh, for any different problem or for any different life. Anyway, today I am painting my nails Green Goddess from Kuo. Uh, I think I actually did this color not too long ago, but I'm feeling it for fall. Then we are only a few mere days away from October 1st. And we just passed over the actual intro to fall. 
I would have made a pumpkin spice latte because I did just buy all of the ingredients to do so at home so that I could do a no spend September. I'm not buying any drinks, any nothing, no Starbucks, no nothing. I bought all the ingredients to make all my favorite fall things at home. So I would have made one, but I've already had two today. So I made myself chai instead, which I feel like is the best fall tea in my opinion. Okay, so let me get comfortable. These are some of my comfiest jeans because they're oversized, but I also feel like when I sit, they scrunch up in a way that just is never flattering. However, even at my 29 years of age, I find it impossible to sit without sitting cross-legged. So I'm gonna unpack these agreement by agreement to the best of my ability, to the best of my knowledge and what I interpreted from the book and what I remember, because I, again, haven't read the four agreements in a couple months now and the fifth agreement is a little bit more fresh in my mind, but this is my takeaway. And I definitely encourage you to either listen to the audiobook or go out and get the book. It's such an easy read, Actually, I should have made this the third point, that the book itself is not too long. This is something you could easily read in a day. I wanna say it's an under two hour read. So highly recommend. And the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. This agreement grew in its depth throughout the time that I've grown since the first time I read the book, but also each time I read it. You know the concept of like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's how I interpreted be impeccable with your word the first time I heard it. Now, the author does go on to say that from the words that we speak in our minds to the words that we say out loud, create our reality. And that's the concept that took some time for me to really comprehend and really understand. From the time that you wake up in the morning to the time that you go to sleep, you are constantly having conversations with yourself in your head and whatever you tell yourself becomes your truth. And a lot of these things are on autopilot. A lot of these things are coming from the subconscious, which is why I feel like for me, at least leaning into things like mindfulness is important in a balanced way, because I also think that you don't want to go so into, oh my gosh, I must be mindful all the time because my subconscious is constantly creating my truth and then you create an anxiety around it. It's more so to just be aware and catch yourself in the day to day, specifically things like gossiping or using your words to hurt other people or using your words to put other people down or using your words to basically do anything that would be considered in, in a polarity scale on the darker end of things. Anything that creates a negative ripple effect. And that includes the negative ripple effect towards yourself. From the time of birth, we are told that the sky is the sky and that your name is your name. And for the most part, we're told by our guardians what to believe and what is true, what is false. Of course, you get to a point where you realize that that is just one interpretation, at least hopefully. And you have the ability and the capacity to start to question these things. And I think that that starts to happen for most people in the teenage years where you almost start to rebel against what you've been told just to see where the limits really are, just to see what else is out there in the world. It's a natural part of our human development. Hopefully again, when you get past those teenage and early 20 years, you get to a point too where you can start to see past your own ego and past yourself. And again, hopefully with that ability to question what we've been told is true and false and to allow yourself to stay open and to stay curious and even to to like even to just wonder to just yeah stay curious that allows us to break some of that domestication 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 let me double check domestication domestication confirmed so coming back to being impeccable with your word 
if we're going to get down to the very root cause, I mean, you didn't know whatever language you speak. You didn't know English until your guardians taught you English or whoever raised you showed you how to use the English word. And the word is powerful because words are symbols and symbols create meaning. When we were told specifically when we were younger that you were bad for doing this or you're good for doing this, those words get filtered into ourselves and then we start to believe certain things about ourselves from the words of our guardians of our peers of other people it gets to a point where our internal self is harsher towards ourselves than most people really are on the outside it's from internalizing the word and so when you learn to be impeccable with your word it's not just being impeccable with your word into the outside world but also being impeccable with your word in the internal world that you live in within yourself, within your mind. I use this rule a lot in the sense of when I catch myself, and it can be so tempting, especially with friends, you know, like you just wanna be like, oh my gosh, did you hear that Ruby from Eight Passengers just got arrested? Did you hear about how karma dealt its fate to, and then you catch yourself, and then I try and stop myself, and it's hard. It's like, what is your intent behind those words, right? What is me talking about that to somebody else aka my best friend, really gonna do. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. It really begs the question, how often do you pause and really hold space for the weight of your words? Again, not just to the outside world, but also within the thoughts you have to yourself, not only about yourself, but also about the outside world. Like if you catch yourself watching something, and I think this is specifically interesting through the filter of the modern age, the digital era, and through social media, is you catch yourself, or if you can catch yourself, what you're thinking as you're scrolling through social media, what you're thinking as you look at yourself in the mirror, what you're thinking when you make a mistake, what you're thinking when you feel vulnerable or exposed or shamed in some way, what you're thinking when you feel rejected, when you feel hurt, or what you're saying in your groups of the closest people around you, what you're saying to the people that you love, what you're saying about the world, about what you believe to be true and what you believe to be false and about other people. When we just take two seconds to really 
just hold space to weigh our words, to really ask ourselves, is this the right way I wanna say this? In fact, I should be doing this every single coffee talk. It would make editing these so much easier because I stumble over my words all the time from not taking a second to really think about what I wanna say and just blabbering away. And it's interesting because the author says this is one of the most important agreements. In fact, if you're going to remember any of them, remember this one. Because our words create our reality. Because words are the symbols that create the meaning and the understanding we have behind everything. When you look at a computer screen, your head thinks computer screen. Those are words. When you look at the sky, your mind thinks the sky. Those are words. All of these words create the symbology around what we understand to be reality. And so when you're impeccable with your word, when you really take a second to weigh your words and to filter them through your consciousness for just even one second, we can shift our reality in a magnitude of ways. We can create huge leaps in our experience on the planet, huge leaps in our experience, even just with each other, when we just take a second to be impeccable with our word, when we just take a second to hold space for what we're saying and what we're basically breathing into reality through the word. Something else that the author talks about is how gossip and negative self-talk is like poison to our brains. It's poison to our minds. And I'll even take it a step further and say it's poison to our reality because when we gossip, when we speak negatively about ourselves, all of this is layered, at least in my understanding, in the same energy. And so when we're not really being impeccable with our word, when we're using our word to spread things like gossip to make ourselves feel better or to speak negatively about ourselves, which to me are two sides of the same coin. We don't gossip about other people unless we want to feel a sense of superiority. And we don't need to feel a sense of superiority if we don't feel inferior. And we don't feel inferior if we don't feel like we're lacking or insecure in some way. So also, again, same coin, just a different, different side or a different way to use the word, is when we're feeling insecure or lacking in some way, we also do tend to speak negatively about ourselves in our minds and out, outside to the world. And so that, is poison to the brain. That is what is going to lead into that further and further depths of struggling with your mental health, further and further depths of struggling to feel hopeful, to feel confident, to feel a sense of assuredness within yourself, a sense of just grounded certainty in who you are. And I think that again, it can be another side. I don't know how many sides this coin could possibly have, but I also think that that can go further and further into like egoic behaviors where we start to see things like narcissism come into play and we start to see self-centeredness because again, that's rooted very deeply in insecurity, inferiority, and a way to counteract that is to almost go over the top and boast about oneself, which again is not really being impeccable with the word. It's using the word to create like a, again, a superiority of the self. So it's all really interesting and I feel like I'm not doing the best at describing this. That's probably because I am not supposed to. You should definitely read the book specifically just for how deep this agreement goes and the different layers to it, the different examples of it. But being impeccable with the word, just taking a second to weigh your thoughts, to weigh the words that you tell yourself on a mixtape all day, every day, that you say out to the world all day, every day, that you type out to the world all day, every day, just to take one brief second to just sit with it, filter it through yourself and ask, what am I bringing into reality with the words that I'm saying or the words that I'm thinking? This next agreement, the second agreement, I can't tell you how many times 
this agreement has saved my ass. I'm not kidding. I'm talking split second. I have been able to let something go is astronomical. I probably repeat, I would say the second agreement and the fourth agreement the most to myself. And the second agreement is don't take anything personally. This, especially if like for a couple of reasons that aren't really important, but I'll, I will explain it because I do feel like this is very common and very possible that most people listening today might have the same or struggle with the same things where you're either a people pleaser. And so you really care about trying to please other people because when you please other people and then they feel appreciative of you, you feel like you're allowed to take up space. That's something I've struggled with. And then another part is if you put yourself out there in some kind of way, if you put yourself out there to the world and people say things about you, or if you're in constant fear of being judged or being misconstrued or taken the wrong way, again, that can be really hard. It's normal and it's very common, but when it goes out of balance, then you stop being true to who you are because you're so afraid of judgment that you become a watered down version of yourself. And then it can even go as far as if you're just a generally sensitive person, sometimes you might, and this gets into the third agreement, but sometimes you might take things the wrong way or make assumptions that like, if you haven't heard from somebody in a little while that they don't care about you or they're not thinking about you, or you take something that somebody says the wrong way. These are all common things that most people deal with, right? But when you get to the second agreement, the author, I always say Don, Don Miguel Ruiz, but I think it might be Ruiz. It's R-U-I-Z. He explains in the most magnificent way in the most easily digestible way. This is one you will only need to read once, how everything that everybody does, including myself, including anybody listening today, including anybody you know, they all do it from their own personal point of view. Literally nothing that anybody could ever do to you or say to you is actually personal about you. And that might sound like a stretch. Like that might sound like a very blanketed statement. Like if somebody comes at you and attacks you, or if someone says something really mean or rude about you, you might say it was a direct hit on me. So how could it not be about me? The surface level explanation is that everything that we do is actually a direct reflection of what's going on within ourselves. So when we hurt other people, it's normally because we're hurting. The deeper root or the deeper explanation in Four Agreements is that we're all living a dream. We're all living our experience, our individual realities of the world. And our individual realities and dreams of the world are packaged into our bodies, our brains, and our energy, our souls, our experiences. So literally, even when things feel like they are a personal attack on us or when they feel like something is, you know, happening just solely to us. It, it really isn't. My reality, my dream has been made up from the time I was born of my consciousness. My conscious awareness can only take in so much at a time. My conscious understanding can only understand so much at a time. And anything I choose to do with my understanding, with my agreements, if you will, all of the agreements that I've made along the way in my own life, that's all coming from a direct reflection of my own experience, my own beliefs, and my own perception of reality. So even if I say, I don't like this person, it's nothing to say that that person is a bad person. That is just my experience of that person. I'm making it subjective when really everything in a, in a way can be objective. Does that make sense? If you could just take a second and think about something that felt personal, that felt like someone was really trying to hurt you or put you down in some way or create some kind of negative outcome for you. Just take one second to think about it. 
And then once you have it, ask yourself, was it really about you or what was happening with that person? Because for the most part, even the most horrendous things that human beings do is for themselves. It's for or from themselves and has very little to do with the target of who they direct that energy towards. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it any less hurtful, but it can make it a little bit easier to wipe your hands clean of something when we better understand that nothing is actually as personal as it feels. Nothing is actually as personal as it seems. I don't know what you may have thought of, but if you could really get down to the root cause of why you think that person did that thing, it very likely doesn't have anything to do with you. You were just the tool used in that situation to either make themselves feel better or get something that they want. There's a sense of freedom that can come from not internalizing everything as personal. I'm definitely a sensitive person and anytime, even especially as a sensitive person that posts a lot of content on the internet, people will say the worst things if you put yourself out there. People will come up with like the weirdest lies, the weirdest rumors, the weird, like I've read some very odd things about myself on the internet and it is so easy to internalize it. It's so easy to get lost in that well, why don't they like me feeling, right? And I think again, too, this can come down to the to the roots of where in our lives, especially in our childhoods, did we feel like we needed to get people to like us or to feel included or to feel part of something in some way. Like I definitely can tie a lot of the needing to people please back down all of the way to feeling left out a lot as a kid. Anything that anybody were to do, whether it's a direct judgment against me or direct words at me, it's just their interpretation of the reflection they've received. I'll give an example, okay? Like let's say I say something, somebody doesn't agree with what I've said or they say that that's wrong and therefore they call me stupid. That is not personal to me. You know what it makes me think of? Was it Dolly Parton who said, I never take offense when someone calls me a dumb blonde because I'm not dumb and I'm not blonde or something like that. It's like, you don't take offense to things that first of all, you know are not true. The only time we really do take offense is when we worry that it's true. Like I could take that and then worry, oh my gosh, am I stupid? Are the things that I say stupid? Then I've let that person's word infiltrate my reality and I'm making it personal. I'm making it about me. In fact, I've taken that experience and internalized it. And now I've gotten lost in my own smoke and mirrors and my own ego and instead I could just be like that's your interpretation you think I'm stupid you're allowed to think I'm stupid a much better way to approach something like that let's say would be to say I don't really agree with what you said but can you explain to me how you got to that consensus and then I'll explain what I see and let's have this really cool like building conversation even on the things that the biggest things that we can disagree about as human beings on the planet. Could you imagine a world where instead of calling each other names or stupid or categorizing or you know, making blanket statements about people, if we could actually just be like, can you tell me how you got to this consensus? Can you tell me how you got to this belief or how you got to this idea or interpretation or value or whatever it is or truth? And I'll tell you my perspective on it and we can see where they coincide or where they don't meet, you know, like that to me seems like the path forward to a healing plan. It seems like the type of communication we really need to get to in order to bridge the gaps of the different things that are kind of used as tools to keep people divided, to keep people hostile towards each other. But again, this is all just coming back to whatever anybody does say about you, whatever anybody does do to you is not personal and it doesn't need to be internalized and it's just a reflection of what's going on within their own selves within their own realities within their own emotions their own fears their own 
all of it. And same with you, everything that you do and say to other people are again, a direct reflection or just what's going on within you, what you need, what you want, what you believe, what you say, how you're feeling. And this agreement leads so nicely into the third agreement, which is don't make assumptions. This tool, this agreement that I like to pull out of my pocket comes in handy whenever I catch myself going on anxious spirals. So sometimes I still, even as I feel like I've done a lot of work on my mental health and made a lot of strides and feel like I'm in a healthy place and can be pretty grounded, I still go through waves and ebbs and flows where I'll start to feel anxiety creep up and I'll start to get that catastrophic thinking if anybody's ever dealt with that before where for instance, like my partner and my son will go to the grocery store and in my head out of nowhere, I'll be like, okay, they've been gone for like 45 minutes. Did something happen to them? And then my brain immediately goes to the worst case scenario, like car crash on the side of the road or, you know, my son has been abducted or something. And so don't make assumptions is so powerful in instances like this. This is where I tend to use this one the most is I pull it out and I'm like, oh, I'm putting myself through turmoil. I am literally putting myself through emotional stress for something that I have no proof has even happened. I'm just making assumptions. My brain is trying to connect dots that are not there. And within five to 10 minutes, they always come home. So that's an example of how to use this tool, but it could go for literally anything. It can be, don't make assumptions about people just because of the way they look or don't make assumptions about people just because of you know something that they've said or don't make assumptions about what you believe is going to happen and don't make assumptions about anything really everything could you imagine if we just asked for clarity we just asked or just asked hey is something up when we're taking something personally or especially too i think that this can come into play when there's miscommunication when we feel like somebody is like we we don't we don't know why they aren't around anymore we feel like they're pulling away or something instead of just assuming gosh they must not like me anymore you could literally just ask for clarity you could just not assume and instead give somebody the chance to explain themselves and that can go from the simplest little things to the biggest things that we already talked about like not making assumptions about people just based on anything that they identify with i think this one is interesting too because i consider myself to be an intuitive person and i tend to get like hit gut instincts on people. And so this one I struggle with a little bit at times because if I meet somebody and immediately my gut is like, ooh, I don't like that person. I have to test myself sometimes and I have to allow myself to hold space for that feeling. Okay, I'm gonna take take some time, I'm gonna hold some space for that, but I'm gonna give this person some, some chance, some time to unpack themselves more and maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe my gut instinct is picking up on something else, you know? And it's just not making assumptions or catching yourself as you make assumptions and allowing yourself to hold space like, oh, I'm assuming this might happen, but I'm gonna allow things to unfold anyway. I'm not gonna completely assume that I know something to be right and that that's that. This is important because when we jump to conclusions, we really cut ourselves off from not only communication from other, but also the ability to be surprised, the ability to learn something new, the ability even to interact with different areas of life or different types of people. Like if you just assume that the only people you're gonna get on with are people that look like you, talk like you, or like the same things as you, then you're really gonna box yourself in from getting to know the really cool tapestry of people out there in the planet, right? And then furthermore, when you stop yourself from making assumptions, you really cut a lot of the drama out of your life, a lot of your own self-made drama out of your life. And you can bring your anxiety down a little bit if you just 
agree that there are certain things you just don't know and you're going to give yourself the ability to one hold space for how uncomfortable it can be like again if somebody's gone and they've been gone for a long time and you're like oh gosh like has something happened to them you can sit in the discomfort you can sit in the i don't know and hold space for it try not to give into that feeling that's tempting you down this little pathway of self-induced drama and self-induced anxieties or even self-created misunderstanding just because we assume to know something that we really don't. And now for the fourth agreement. And this one I would say is, I, I don't even know, it's toe in toe with don't take anything personally for being the most powerful in my experience. And it is always do your best. The reason why this agreement I think is so powerful is because it's not about going 110% every single day. It's about owning that your best is going to change from day to day and only you will know what your best is. And so every day that you show up to something, if you know you've done the absolute best you can for where you're at that day, for what you have that day, for how much you've slept that day, for you know your circumstances that day, then you can walk away knowing that there was no room left for anything to have been any different. This one is so interesting. I think especially if you struggle with perfectionism or you struggle with being hard on yourself because it really dissipates that self-judgment when we know that we have genuinely done our best. When you know that there is either no time or energy or resources or anything at all that you could have done to put anything more into a situation, then you've done all you can do. You can wipe your hands clean and shut the day down, shut the project down or move on to the next thing or let go knowing that you did the absolute best you can. It doesn't always mean we're gonna get the outcome that we want, but the only time that I think this, and it's not even that this agreement would be used wrong. I think it's just more so when we know we aren't doing our best, that's when we get hard on ourselves. And so if you know you're laying in bed and you're like, but I'm tired, but you also know that you're not exhausted tired, you're just a little tired and would rather nap than work, that's not doing your best. Doing your best is getting up, doing as much work as you can, knowing that you have a certain time to go to bed at and that you're gonna go to bed exactly at the time and do your best even at that point in your routine to clean up your sleep hygiene, make sure you're turning off your TV, making sure you're doing your wind down routine so you actually do go to bed early and get good rest so that you wake up and can do your best again the next day. It does change, it does ebb and flow your best on the day to day. So it's not that you have to expect the same out of yourself every day, it just, again, it comes from that reflection of asking yourself in any given moment, am I doing the best that I can? And if the answer is yes, that's that. There's not really much else that you really need to put into or hold stakes in, whether it's about feeling value within yourself or value within the thing that you're doing. If you know you've done your best, then there doesn't need to be any sense of attachment to it because you know you've done your best and that's all you can do. So really quick, I want to dive into the fifth agreement and I feel like the fifth agreement could be an entire conversation in and of itself, but it is a separate book. So he did follow up with another book. There's actually quite a few more. I just started The Mastery of Self, which is a different book from the same author too. But the fifth agreement is really interesting and I think this one is actually super important in today's modern digital era. The fifth agreement is be skeptical, but learn to listen. And the reason why I find this agreement to be powerful is because we are constantly intaking so much information to the point where we really stop being skeptical. We really stop asking questions because we're almost overflowing our brains with so much information that we don't even really give ourselves the time or the space to ask questions before we're really scrolling on to the next thing. If we haven't taken a break from social media, if we haven't taken a break from intaking tons of information every single day, it gets hard. The lines get blurred between what is our personal opinion on something or where do we personally stand on something and what is just 
been filtered through a million different perspectives and opinions or was that thing that I saw really what happened or is it again like a false narrative that I've created by connecting dots because again I took in way too much information and I have no idea what the truth is anymore. Being skeptical but learning to listen allows one to open your ears to really listen not just with your mind or your head or your ears but like listen with your whole body to really listen to something and sense how it's making you feel and sense where there's room for question and sense where there's room for curiosity and that again becomes really hard to do when we're in taking way too much information and the skeptical part of it is not skeptical in the sense of assuming or believing that people are out to wrong you or get you which I definitely struggle with like I have this like weird innate underlying belief that I can't trust anything or anyone and that again is like a very different conversation but when I'm surfing or going through like anything on my computer or anything on social media I'm always just like what's your ulterior motive you know and so I shouldn't be making assumptions. However, being skeptical just allows you to hold space and room for human error. And there can be human error in anything that's human made. And most things that we interact with on the day-to-day -day basis are human made. And so skepticism and like healthy skepticism, it's just about not taking absolutely everything you hear as absolute truth. This is a really interesting part of this conversation where I was just talking about this with one of my best friends, Larissa, how when you hear gossip about somebody or you read something about somebody where someone disagrees about someone or something, have you ever found that that sways your opinion on that person? So there is somebody that we both really enjoy and I ended up falling down a Reddit wormhole where it was a bunch of people that didn't like this person. All of a sudden I was like, I can't unsee what I've read. And I almost wish I didn't read it because I still really like this person. But now I feel like I'm, I've seen a whole other side. And this is a very interesting power, but it can go two ways. It can be a great power, but it can also be a dark power of the internet. Reading gossip about somebody that might not even be true can completely change your perspective or opinion on something or someone. So it's not about being cynical and it's not about believing that people are out to lie or cheat or whatever, but it's more so to just not assume everything that we've read, everything that we see is truth. And in fact, to assume that everything that we're reading and seeing, especially of personal opinion is that it's of personal opinion. It's not personal about the, the person that we're even reading about. It's personal to the person that's saying it. It was a really powerful book. I highly, highly, highly recommend reading The Fifth Agreement as well, because it's not just about how someone's words, someone's truth can so easily sway our own. It gets even deeper into how we understand the symbology of the world, about what we've been told from the time we were born. Like if I look at a tree and I say that's a tree, it's actually not a tree. A tree is a word. It's a word that I'm saying. It's a word I can picture in my mind. I can think of the letters, but a tree just is. There is no actual thing for a tree other than the physical looking at a tree. That's a tree or touching a tree. Like that's a tree. Me saying the word tree is me using a symbol to communicate to you what I'm talking about. So it's great in layers of communication and understanding. It's not necessarily always great for explaining truth because everybody's truth, everybody's perspective is different. And so it really, really gets down into the depths of that. And it's such an interesting read for the, for, even for the sake of just better understanding how we all create our own symbology and how deep and complicated that can get. And when you learn to listen, you open yourself up to understanding someone else's symbology, but you allow yourself a healthy layer of skepticism in a way that allows you to take that information, filter it through and not assume that it's all truth, but instead assume that there are little pieces of truth within there that might reflect or connect to your own truth. But then again, it's all just personal 
personal perspective. I don't know. I feel like I didn't, again, do the best job at explaining that one. And just because these books are so damn deep, you have to read them. You just got to read them for yourself and let me know what you think. Even today, you just listened to my entire symbology of understanding these books, of my entire personal processing of these books, my personal reality and dream of these books. And so I would love to hear yours, which means you've got to go read them. Or if you have read them, then you need to come over to YouTube if you aren't here already and let me know your thoughts on the four agreements and the fifth agreement. Whether it is just learning to be more impeccable with our word, whether it is not taking things personally, whether it is never making assumptions, always doing our best, or just taking a second, especially when it comes to things like media or in our day-to-day -day conversations or with what we interpret or what we hear or what we read about, to just take a second and pause in these interactions, pause before we take action, before we say words or spread words, like how might that change not only our personal realities, but then ripple out to change the reality of the planet at large. If everybody were to just do that, just even a little bit. Again, I'm gonna come back to the reason why I love these books, specifically The Four Agreements, so much is because it is so easy to come back to. The minute you catch yourself struggling with anything, there's gonna be one of those four agreements or five agreements that you can use immediately as a tool to help yourself through that struggle. Whether you're catching yourself feeling down because you aren't doing so much work that day, and then you gotta ask yourself, okay, well, am I doing my best? And your best changes. So maybe your best today really is You've been working hard. You need to relax today. That is doing your best. You need to stop feeling guilty about it. You need to not make assumptions about yourself that taking a day of rest means that you're a lazy person. Or maybe you really do know deep down when again, you, you have to go down to the authenticity within yourself to find your own authentic experience, your own authentic voice and know actually I probably could do a little bit more work today than, I, than I'm doing or I'm probably not making the best decisions that I probably could be and then do your best or maybe it's that you're taking something personally or maybe it's that you've made an assumption about the world or about the planet or about somebody or something or maybe it's that you're catching yourself in your mind or in your words like either spreading gossip or speaking poorly or down on yourself or maybe it's that you're intaking so much information through the news or through any other outlet and you're not filtering it through any healthy skepticism. You have no idea what your stance is on something. You have no idea what you believe about something because you've taken in way too much information and you haven't asked yourself for a second what your voice or what your stance is in that. So thanks for hanging out and unpacking today's book brew. Again, I know I already said it, but let me know your thoughts. If you enjoyed today's coffee talk, please be sure to interact with it in some way because that always helps me out as a content creator. And I will see you guys all a lot in October. So buckle up because we're about to go on a train ride or I guess more so like a coffee, a coffee tour. I don't know. We're going on something. Okay, just buckle up. <laughs>